Talk Story is the longest-running talk show on Maui, about 30 years now. Happy anniversary, Talk Story. And over the years, I've been uh, really blessed to have some wonderful people who inspire me, and that definitely is the case today. Um, I just love having Deidre Teagarden here in the studio. Happy anniversary, and <laughs> always a pleasure to be here. And a very, very special lady, Melinda Clark, is Deidre's mother. And Melinda's a fireball. I mean, she's just... Uh, She's lit. She's 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 on a mission from God. You know, she's got her she's got her purpose. And I I just have been talking to her. And every time I talk to you, Melinda, you inspire me. Well, that's very nice to know. Thank you so much. And yes, I agree. Happy anniversary. Thank you. Hey, by the way, um, you are doing something very special, and I am just thrilled to see it finally. Um, this has been so long in the works. I found out you've just been on this mission for a long time. And it's finally coming to be kicked off this Saturday. And um, what a great way to start it. Nisei Veterans Memorial Center this Saturday. And it's a special work that you have worked for years and years creating called Lost Generation. And um, it's going to be at 1.30 in honor of Hiroshima and Nagasaki Remembrance Days. And it's free. However, the space is limited. Space is limited, so we're requesting people just give us a call to make a reservation at 244-6862. Yep. It's a, it's a very important thing. And there's a little backstory on this. Um, well, first of all, you spent a lot of time in Japan, enough so that Deidre speaks fluent Japanese now, right? <laughs> well, I you, do my best. You do very well. Gonbarimasu. Very well. How long were you at, how did you get to Japan in the first place, Melinda? Well, um, it's such a interesting, long story that I don't tell too much, but <laughs> um, Deidre was 11, her brother was 4, and I thought I saw a vision of going to Hiroshima after Three Mile Island, mm. and so we sold everything, had a huge garage sale, which included the house, <laughs> and we... <laughs> and didn't sell just the garage, you sold no, the house. <laughs> and headed toward... Hiroshima. We didn't uh, land in Hiroshima right away, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, eventually did. And uh, yes, it's been a long project in the making that I didn't even realize until I went to on a pilgrimage recently and realized that how this is all connected. There's, you know, this has to be completed. Absolutely. Now, um, you told me a story that is very interesting about um, after the dropping of the bomb. Um, of course, the the military went in, the U.S. came in and said, you can't have any weapons, which is understandable. However, I wasn't aware until I just spoke to you minutes ago that they considered cameras um, and any photography aspect of anything, um, photo or video, would be considered a weapon as well. Absolutely. In fact, I heard from at least one survivor that that was the first thing they collected was the cameras and the film, any photographs, anything. And they took it and sent it over here to our archives so that nobody ever got to see the film or the pictures or anything until it was the 80s. Our Sunshine Law opened up, so the Japanese asked to have the film back, Mm -hmm. pictures, whatever, and our government said, no, but we'll sell it to you. Of course, they were poor at the time and didn't have the money, so friends of ours... How much were they asking, do you know? Uh, no, I don't know because there was so much film. Yeah. But what what the Japanese did, uh, my Mr. I had a, a friend of ours. They put a uh, call out all over Japan to the newspapers. Just put an ad in, you know, a handful of guys, 
to get the film back and uh, ask for money, and they got enough money that they were able to buy 80 to 100,000 feet of film, pictures, photographs, and that's what they made, these three films that I have that I'm going to be, but I'm going to be showing just one of them, 19 minutes long uh, on Saturday, plus part two, what we can do, because the name of the book is Waymakers for Peace. And you wrote this? Yes. It's a collection of the uh, A-bomb survivors interviews, plus it's part two on what we can do and why they're waymakers. May I read what a waymaker yeah, is? Yes, please. It's a person who helps you on your journey, who helps you accomplish your mission in life, even if just a small part, someone who helps you to get to your next destination. And the next destination, you know, that horrible thing is for us, is for peace, and yep. for us to realize war no more. Yeah. And the Nisei veterans have their own story, and they too came back as waymakers for peace. So I'm really, really grateful to the Nisei veterans for giving me this opportunity. It's so important. What a great story. And, and there's another chapter to this story that I thought is worth mentioning is the fact that by the time you got this film, so many years have already happened, and film degenerates. Um, and so you were ha finally, by the point you got to spend the money and got it gathered, and, and then it was falling apart. But you were blessed because you were helped out by UCLA, correct? Yes, and again, it was a connection from the Yusei, uh, Nisei veterans to the Go For Broke group in California who introduced me to a lady who taught uh, an archivist at UCLA, and she put the project out to see a new student, and one student picked it up, and they refurbished the film, digitized it. Wow. And uh, so now I have uh, DVDs and the computer on YouTube, and I can go around and, and uh, present again. So and that's what we're going to mention next, I guess. This is the kickoff, but you're actually going to go on tour. And, and you know, <laughs> you're unstoppable. A lot of people would say, oh, I'm retired, but not you. I mean, you're on this mission to now go around the country, and first it kicks off here, and then where do you go with this film and your Waymakers for Peace after that? Well, I go to... Um, from here to Chicago, and that's my first presentation in Chicago to a group, and then to Pennsylvania, and then to D.C., and then up to Toronto, and then back wow. to California. How did you set that all up? Uh, Very carefully. <laughs> because that's a lot to set up. I mean, I know going on tour is a lot anyway, because number one, you've got to get the arrangements, you have to get the booking, you have to get the airfare, you have to get the place, you know, and you have to connect with people and, and, and get the information and press out there. So it's a lot of work. Well, you know what? There's a lot I haven't done yet, and a lot that could have been done a lot better as far as press and everything, but it's overwhelming. It is. So yeah. I just did it a step at a time, mm -hmm. and the first step was telling my son I was coming to visit. <laughs> <laughs> is he and in Chicago? He, no, he's in L.A., but he <laughs> lined up a... Uh, Quaker group up in Pasadena. Oh, good. And then La I didn't know there was a Quaker group in Pasadena. Oh, so yes, you go. very, yes. very big. Okay. Uh -huh. And then, uh, so last year I won this peace contest in in Los in uh, Chicago because they're bringing back the KBP, the Kellogg Brion Pact that actually makes war illegal, and they're bringing it to the forefront again. So I'm going back and talk to them, and that's I was here the last time, and Mayor Arakawa 
made a proclamation for the 27th to be KBP Day. I didn't I, know that. Oh, you didn't? Oh, you know what? Uh, the 27th of August. August. And that's up. when I'll be talking. And the thing is, uh, Mayor Arakawa has put Maui, and Maui is ahead anyway because of the uh, proclamation, Aloha is a law in your constitution. Mm-hmm. And it's uh, it's real. Uh, uh, Hawaii is a great place to start, and uh, we're ahead of the, uh, the the fight for peace because we actually have proclamations, and uh, from both uh, Governor Ige and Mayor Arakawa, and you have Aloha in the Constitution, which is very effective. It extremely effective. Yeah, the proclamation was signed. Uh, the Kellogg-Briand Pack Day. Um, and he says, whereas the Kellogg-Briand Pack signed on August 27, 1928. Yes, he won the Nobel Peace Prize. I didn't know it, which was the most grandiose of series of peacekeeping efforts after World War One, was written by General Multilateral uh, Treaty. And I wasn't even aware of it until you told me. You were the first one to tell me about well, this. Well, that's what this book is. The two things have been kept quiet, a really big secret the Hiroshima uh, pictures and the information about KBP. We just haven't, um, you know, we've kept it a, a quiet. And uh, Catalog actually won the Nobel Peace Prize. Uh, it's, it's uh, and world, and Germany signed on to it and Japan, but they broke it and it's actually the basis of the Nuremberg trials. If they had, I didn't know yes, that. Yes, if they hadn't signed this, we had no way to go in legally. And, but uh-huh. we were able to go in legally and have the Nuremberg trials because of this, because of the KBP. So it's a long road to It's peace. a long road. And the thing is, as I was traveling it, I didn't know about it. Mm-hmm. And as I was doing things, I wasn't sure why I was doing them. But it's one of the things I realized as I was doing this pilgrimage the last time, that I had something started and I have to finish it. Now, you worked very, very hard to get this film. We're going to see, you said one of three or one of two? One of three. One of three. So then um, doing a film and a documentary is a lot of work as well. I mean, obviously you have to have editing and et cetera. How did you put the, this, all these different pieces together? I didn't do the film. Mm-hmm. The Hiroshima Committee did oh, the film. Oh, they did the film. And oh. so they did two of the films. One of the films was out of England. Uh, but they put together the film, and then the year that they got it to show it, Mr. Ihana gave it to me to take around the world to show, which I did for a while, but then the film got old. Uh, and is there any words with it, or is it just visual? No, there's words. It's narrated. Wow. So they were able to save all of that? Well, they took the pictures. Yeah. And then what's interesting is that some of the people in the film had never seen themselves. Mm because the pictures were taken uh-huh. away from them. Right. And the one lady in the film sees herself for the first time 45 years later herself, and really very emotional when she sees what she looked like and how she was, her, what she said her life was ruined. So you took this film, you got this and show. So they gave sh- you actually got film. to show it in Hiroshima and, and around in uh, Japan. No, I haven't no. been able to show it. But it's being, sh- it's being showed at the, uh, shown at the, uh, Peace Hiroshima Museum. Peace Museum. Thank you. Yes. Where's the oh the Peace in, Museum in, in Hiroshima? Hiroshima. Yeah. No, I show it outside of the country. 
And so there is a Peace Museum. Have you you've been to the Peace Museum in Hiroshima? Yes, because of Mother's work. When my brother and I were there in the 1980s, we spent um, a lot of time, especially my brother did, spent a lot of time with my mother in the interviews with the A-bomb survivors. And then we spent a lot of our time uh, at the at the A-bomb dome going through the um, the Peace Museum, both in its original context and then I think in the 90s they 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 revamped um the museum a bit so we've we've seen it both in you know how it, it was and how it is now um but it's very very emotional and the the film is very um very emotional and uh you know we put a little disclaimer on it for people coming to see you know it is it is war footage and uh there's some graphic um information in there but the message that all of the survivors give and that the film uh, itself gives is the one of no more war and peace and how can we how can we even think to let something like this happen again so it's um it's going to be a very very heavy Saturday uh, but a very um, enlightening very one. enlightening and very appropriate as we you know come up to the the anniversary of Hiroshima and Nagasaki yeah. Which is coming up this month. Correct, August uh, 6th and 9th. Which is uh, just a couple of days after your talk, which is right. important. And it, it, this is interesting because, you know, I have a CD I've been working on. Um, it's going to be out soon um, called Peace, Music, and Poems. And peace is, is not just a, an easy subject. It's a very deep subject, and a lot of it really comes when people start to find inner peace first. And I think uh, a lot of the Japanese people... Um, certainly understood that. There's a lot of soul-searching that goes on to come to terms with peace, and it takes a lot of courage um, for people to stand up for their values of peace. Um, there's certainly been a lot of um, negative attacks against people. Uh, remember when they were calling people, well, you do, peaceniks. Remember the term peaceniks? Absolutely, I do. Peaceniks, and I'm sure you went through a lot of that, where people thought you were outrageous asking for peace and talking about peace. Well, you know, uh, you go back to the Quakers. The Quakers are really known as American Friends Service. But it was during, I think, World War II they were given the name Quakers because they were saying they're scared to go fight the other side. So oh. they're they Quake and they're calling them cowards. Oh, I didn't know that. And so they had got the name Quakers and they've kept it's been stuck with it, you know. Uh-huh. And a lot, of, a lot of Quakers don't realize that Quaker came from being... Quakey and afraid. Uh-huh. Uh, but the thing I like about Saturday's opportunity is the second part of the book, which is the end of war. And the Kellogg Brand Pact, it is now a law of no more war. But what's interesting is that back in the day when the arms race was up, we have over 80% deduction in nuclear weapons. Back then, we had 35,000 nuclear bombs. Russia had 45,000. Both countries are down to 7,000. So you don't hear about that side of it. But there's a lot going on, and there's a groundswell that was very quiet that is getting uh, this century just building, and I'd like to think I'm part of that. It, you know, that, and that is the positive part. I mean, then there's the cynical part of me going, well, that's what they're saying. <laughs> you know, but maybe there's more getting built that we may not know about, you know, in secret and that. And then you hear things that were going on and you go in other countries. Um, it's still a huge, huge issue. Oh, this is like, this is a, a massively important issue. And as long as, you, as you've got that big stick, you know, and it is, it's a big, big stick. 
there's going to be some foolish people thinking, well, we've got nuclear weapons, so you can't mess with us, you know. And it's that weird attitude is that, oh, okay, if we've got nuclear weapons, you can't mess mess with us. Well, so many people have nuclear weapons now that it is, it's ridiculous to even think that nuclear weapons are going to be the answer to anything. I mean, and I see people talk like, well, if we've got nuclear weapons, we'll have more power, you know, or something like that. That's that's ridiculous. Yeah, that's what we were told in the 60s. Yeah. And for the longest time, we believed that. But um, anybody who sees this film or knows anything about nuclear weapons knows that that's the one thing that we have, one weapon that we have that we cannot defend against. Exactly. It is our weakest point. Mm-hmm. Our weakest point, because if we use it or if anybody else uses it, even if India and Pakistan, just those two countries go after it, each other, it's a nuclear winter, mm-hmm. you know, that we are affected over here, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Even the people who've tested it, have the effects oh. of the people who were around the testing of it when they didn't know. Yes, and the thing, yes, yes, that's right. Seven days, anybody who came into the city within seven days was considered an A-bob survivor because of the radiation seven days well wow. and and the ex- expanse of what was created around it and then we look at even what happens with nuclear power plants that go bad and, and the damage that we've seen from that you know um it, you know it, it it makes us really think of what we've created and so many things we've thought we've created things that were beneficial plastic being one of them and, and many of the things we thought were uh, solutions have become really awful instead of solutions um really destructionary uh items that we never would have guessed that we thought were going to make life easier um certainly is is actually created a lot more problems than we ever could have imagined and i you've been doing this and talking about peace now for how many years then about well you know i did it a lot after i got this in the 80s and i came home and actually was in sweden and went around and then uh one day I just got very ill, and I realized I couldn't talk about it. And so I let it go for the longest time. You got ill because you think you were Yes, talking? yes. I would notice that I would come. Yes, I, yeah. And, uh, oh, I had many different illnesses. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it hasn't stopped you, has it? Well, it did for a while. And then I went on the pilgrimage, and then I realized. That was uh, to that which island in Japan? That was Shikoku, the 99 temples. Mm-hmm. And it was during that trip that I realized that <clears throat> I had to get back to this. Mm. And and actually, when I left here, <clears throat> and uh, so it got rid of everything. That's when I found the A-bomb uh, wow. interviews. Wow. And I sat in Japan and was putting them together. And that's when I realized that, you know, I put it in this little booklet and uh, printed out and give it out it's a seed it's a seed for peace yeah Yeah. people should know what are what do you encounter in different attitudes in different places where you're going because i'm sure every place has some different issues and attitudes in the society and the people that talk to you what what places do you see are very um obviously i think japan's learned a lot about this right would you say that deidre oh you know definitely there's a a story or an interview in in um the Waymakers for Peace, it was this story about the woman in Nagasaki. Actually, Mother was going over to interview an A-bomb survivor in Nagasaki, and she was taking the ferry over, and the man sitting next to her said, wow, aren't you worried about 
interviewing an A-bomb survivor and um, all the, the, the anger that they will feel toward you because you are an American and look, look, at, what, look at what happened. And mother said, you know, she, she got there. She, all of a sudden she was really worried. She hadn't, you know, thought she of that. She hadn't even thought of it. Yeah. And uh, the woman immediately, you know, took her hands and said, I'm so sorry. We're so sorry. You know, we're so sorry for what we did. And it was just a, a completely different way of thinking. And you were saying about how the Japanese seem to have an inner peace. And I think that they they certainly do. And, and we saw that a lot when we lived over in Japan and, and with Mother's Work. You know, you're never quite sure how people are going to react. Um, but I would say for the most part, when we were in Japan and we talked about it in Japan, people were um, very, very... Uh, Buddhist about, uh, very calm. They did have that inner peace, and it mm-hmm. wasn't a judgment. It wasn't, look at what you did. And uh, it was, look at what we need to do to move forward. It was a, a truly collective, how can we move forward? There was, no, there was no judgment other than the judgment of war is not good. When we look at that aspect of the country, the world, and the oneness, and the fact that we can't say we're this country and you're that country and we're not connected. Um, I think we're, we're evolving and to realize you can't disconnect one country from another country. It's one world, and, and what one country does very quickly affects other countries, and the world is all interconnected. And especially if there's war in one country, we see and everyone sees what happens after that war. Um, when you get it to the point where it's so huge, of course, then we see what you saw, which is the devastation. And anyone that's been there or seen that or talked about it, including the makers of the atomic bomb. Oh, yes. Just when, what have we done, you know? I mean, you, you know that story. It was like the, considered to be like the most awful thing after he created it. It was like, what have I done, right? Yes, uh, Dr. Helen Caldercott was one of the biggest... Uh, peacemakers after the bomb she was she worked on the manhattan project and came over to hiroshima and, uh, was very a big uh, proponent for no more hiroshima's get rid mm-hmm. of the a-bombs and what's very interesting is that there's a new way of fighting you know in the bible it says resist not evil and i always thought well what are you supposed to do well you don't resist it because that means that you join it that's You're a battle that's find, a fighting yeah yeah you don't fight it you find it other way around and there's this uh, group now, uh, anyway, it's the um, nuclear-free zone. And 33 countries of South America have f- signed on the nuclear-free zone. Central America, all, uh, Mexico, uh, parts of Southeast Asia, and even part of our holdings, like uh, Puerto Rico, um, are in the nuclear-free zones where we have signed a paper saying that we will never have, there will never be nuclear weapons there. So that's even better than the first strike, not doing the first strike. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know. And there's just a few areas that don't have a nuclear-free zone. Uh, so th- that's interesting how f- much further we are ahead towards no more war and no more nuclear weapons than we, we even imagine because it's just being... Yeah, well, you know, it, everyone, one of the famous greeting cards and the most popular is um, peace on earth and goodwill towards men. Yes. But, you know, it, it's, it's not just 
empty words. This is where you're, you've dedicated your life and your work, and people can come and really hear your story. You're such an amazing woman. I know, Deidre, you grew up with this. <laughs> I did. <laughs> you certainly have been influenced by your powerful mother and her her journey. How did it change you? Oh, you know, I think it. I I think it changed both my brother and I. Um, and gave us so many amazing opportunities, and you know we are who we are because of the, you know, what she gave to us, the experiences, and the courage, right? The courage of her convictions. Yeah. <laughs> Just oh, you're so sweet. No, so. the actual truth is that Deidre Gavin made me the peacemaker. Really? Yes. Deidre I mean, made uh, you the peacemaker. And Gavin, yes, absolutely. They just wouldn't let me beat them. <laughs> we always have to have you know a little bit of strange humor to keep us from you know being too emotional, too too soft hearted. No, but yeah, we're we're very we're very lucky, and we've had great experiences, and um, you know we have a, a wonderful community here, uh, Maui, that really supports and uh, is is proactive in creating peace and goodwill, and I know. Uh, the lovely Miss Luna Rocky Regan has just stepped in, and you know the program that she's been working on. It's it's all it's all peace. It's all yeah. making things better, and I think that's what we're all striving to do in our in our own ways. So, how's it going for the uh, August fourth? Uh, do we have any more seats left? You know, we actually have. We only have a few. We um, have over sixty eight people signed up so far yeah, uh, for the movies. So that's that's great. Yes, um, it is. We will have snacks as well. And, uh, <laughs> oh, there goes the last few seats. That's right. <laughs> Lynn Curtis, I think, is bringing her lemon bars, which are, oh, always, they're a, wonderful. <laughs> are always a big hit. But it's uh, it's going really well, and we just uh, invite everybody to come. You don't have to uh, just give us a call. It's free. And 244-6862. And um, I do want to, we don't, we'll do another whole show on this, but you're going to have, uh, more, uh, these have been great series. The leadership series have been amazing. And you're going to have Governor Neil Abercrombie. Yes. And tickets are on sale for that as well. I'm sure people can get them when they come to you. But this one is at the Kahili Golf Course. It's not at Nisei Veterans. And that's going to be August 19th at 1.30. And um, that's on dif- a different day. Usually it's Saturday, but that's Sunday. And um, that's going to be very interesting. Of course, you're good friends with Neil Abercrombie and got to work with him very closely. Yes. And um, so that's going to be a wonderful one. That has a charge of $35, but a fabulous buffet lunch. It's a a great buffet lunch, and Governor is going to talk about the Nisei values and how they play a part in today's uh, political climate. He was very influenced by the Japanese AJA culture when he moved here in 1959. And uh, a lot of people don't know that, but it's going to be an absolutely phenomenal uh, speech because he always gives great, great speeches, and uh, you'll enjoy it for sure. You've had some wonderful people. You've had four governors, right? So yes, uh, Ariyoshi Wahee, Governor Ige, Governor yeah. Abercrombie, and then we'll close out the year with Governor Lingle. Well, good on you. That's been a great series. Congratulations. It's been a wonderful gathering that you've created there. And you did great work with the Nisei Veterans Memorial Center. Well, we have a good good team, including Koi Radio. So, so try to you. come a little early because you still have the, the display going on, the 440. We do. That's up through up. the uh, end of August. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the 75th anniversary of the formation of the 442nd Regimental Combat Team. And we have a, a great exhibit down there at the Nisei Veterans Memorial Center on 665 Kahului Beach Road. We're open Monday through Friday, 12 to 4. It's an enlightening experience. 
It really is, as will be Melinda's wonderful talk this Saturday. Um, call and get your tickets because they're going fast and there's only a few left, but it's going to be fabulous. So thank you so much, Deidre. We love you. you and your mom, Melinda. I mean, really wonderful people doing great things and really an inspiration to the community. So thank you so much for coming thank in. Thank you for giving us the chance to make it known. It's always a pleasure really talking to you and seeing you. I always get inspired.